in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, buddy. I'm Chad Bokelman. This is Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 172. Yeah, 172. I don't know why I thought it was 171. We just covered that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're back. We told you we'd be back. Uh, and just like we said, uh, this episode we'll be covering uh, Green Lantern New Guardians. We'll be playing catch up with them. Uh, and we're doing episode or issues 21, 22, and 23. Um, apparently it's the, the better book of the series, uh, since the new creative teams have launched and, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any BS prelude plans, so maybe we should just hop right into it. <laughs> Probably. Cause even though I don't think this episode would be like two and a half hours, like the last one. Not that we thought the last one would be two and a half hours either, but I, but I, I feel a little more confident, even though there's more material. There's actually a lot more going on in these three books that probably we we can, we can cover it in a shorter period of time. <laughs> yeah, the, the the point of these episodes is not to hit a certain time limit. It's just to cover the material and whatever amount of time that we can do that in, and then move on to the next episode. And by the way, that doesn't mean we're like rushing through these. We're just hitting the record button, and whenever we get through talking about it, naturally run out of topics. That's how it's – well, basically how the show normally works. (laughs) 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 I'm rambling again. Um, So, yeah, uh, 21, 22, and 23, uh, we'll talk about it, and we'll see what's going on. And uh, we've got – I mean, surprisingly enough, we've actually got a little bit of listener feedback to go through. Um, Not as much as last time, but just a little bit. Um, so we'll do that too, and then, uh, um, close out the show, and hopefully it all works out just fine. I'm rambling. Go ahead, Mark. It's your turn. Uh, episode, uh, issue. Why do I keep saying episode? I've, it's easy. I think it's just, I just realized that, like, last episode, it's like, e- it's easy to talk when you're going, talking about episodes, the issues, to just keep, keep switching the words. It's like, number 21. Um, <laughs> okay, so this will be Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 21. Written by Justin Jordan, drawn by Brad Walker, and inked by Andrew Hennessy. And the cover has the Templar Guardians holding Kyle's arm, taking him somewhere. They're all kind of being bathed in blue and white light with the title, The Quest Begins. So the actual issue begins on Oa, kind of is like a a companion scene to how Green Lantern 21 played out. When um, they when everybody was in the uh, evidence vault, so now it's just Kyle and the new guardians, the Templar guardians, and the Templar guardians are telling Kyle basically what they perceive to be the the mistakes that the old guardians made and how they are determined not to make them. And part, the main way, as far as they're concerned, that they're going to not make the same mistakes is by going out and living in the real universe as opposed to just burying themselves on Oa. They want to experience and, they, and learn things, bef- and they feel that is necessary before 
they actually go off to uh, come back, I should say, to govern and take and be in charge of the core. So they left the ha- Hal in charge of the core in Green Lantern 21, and they now want Kyle as the White Lantern to basically be their tour guide and their companion as they learn about the universe. Now, Kyle promptly tells them no and then follows it up kind of like almost in his Will Smith mode going, hell no, and he flies off and he doesn't want anything to do with the Guardians, uh, this job, this task. Hal goes after him and literally throws up a stop sign to stop him, and they talk, and as they're flying around dealing with space sharks in space, which I didn't even know there were space sharks, I believe Hal says, that Hal does his best to convince Kyle that the that he really needs to take this job on, if for no other reason that, well, there are many reasons to take it on, but he doesn't, that Hal doesn't trust the Templar Guardians, he knows Kyle doesn't trust the Templar Guardians, and he, he doesn't know if they should be, you know, really trust them, because they're Guardians, but Kyle's the one, because of his power base, because of his set, power set, and because of his proximity to them, that if the Guardians are trying anything sim- or will try anything similar to what the old group did, Kyle will be the first to know. And being the White Lantern, Kyle would probably be able in the position to do something about it. So Hal and Kyle go their separate ways with Kyle agreeing that he's, he'll think about it. And then we end up cutting back to Kyle now on Earth having already <laughs> thought about it because he's already packing up his stuff to put into storage because he's about to go become tour guide to the Guardians. And who's helping him pack is Carol Ferris, for whatever reason, we are not entirely sure, but they are together. And Carol kind of relays the information about how she and Hal are no longer together, and Kyle kind of stumbles at, like, about what to say. And after that little rehash, again, of Green Lantern 20, the events of Green Lantern 21, Carol asks, uh, Carol asks Kyle where are they going, you know, with the you and the Guardians, and he mentions they're going to some place at the end kind of at the end of the universe, or the edge of the universe, I should say, called the Anomaly. And the Guardians and Kyle end up at this Anomaly, and it's it's a very interesting, interestingly drawn little, kind of looks like a heart, kind of looks like a, almost like a, it's just described as a cyst later on, but it kind of almost looks like some, something that's not normally shaped, because it's bulbous and protruding. But when the Guardians and Kyle get there, they find that they're not alone. It's a bunch of other spaceships that are there trying to basically examine the same thing they are. It's like, why is, why is this anomaly here? What's the purpose? What, what, is, what can it do? Uh, as, they, as they get closer to it, the ships all start disappearing, and the Guardians don't really understand why until Kyle kind of has to break it down for them. It's like, everybody's afraid of you. You're Guardians. Everybody's afraid of you because of what you're – predecessors did that even though they don't know you're any different so your reputation kind of you know precedes yourself and so at that moment they run into Exeter who is the basically self-proclaimed guardian of the anomaly and he's got an interesting look to me he kind of looked like a cross between uh, Brother Worth and Terex the Tamer and Exeter basically tells them that they shouldn't come any further they should go away yada 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 that you shouldn't be exploring. The Guardians kind of go to Kyle. What? Lantern Rainer, you take care of this. Please deal with this. And it's and Kyle has a brief flashback to what the Guardians used to be like. It's like, yeah, you guys aren't any different. And they all and Kyle takes on Exeter and they fight and he learns that Exeter basically can throw the, his energy back at him. But while Kyle continues to 
use his power ring and dif- and use the light of the emotional spectrum at the same time he's trying to get Exeter to realize we're not really your enemy here. Yeah, the Guardians, we know what you know what their reputation is like, but they're really only here to look. I'm with them, but I'm not with them. This kind of thing. While that while that happens, all of a sudden the anomaly starts reacting. It starts changing, and the the, the new guardians kind of realize that what's going on is the anomaly is actually rea- is actually reacting to Kyle's power ring and the use of the emotional spectrum. And the very and that brings us to the end of the issue when Exeter goes. He makes a quote that no, it is already too late. This then is what you reap, you foolish guardians. As my page sticks, you have killed us all. And then the and its final splash page shows relic breaking through the anomaly, and this is our first full look at what Relic is going to look like and the character that we've already been that's already been built up that we know is going to be trouble for the all the cores. And that was twenty one. Nice. What did you think of the art? I thought for the most part I liked the art. I thought again, going back to the same basic issues with Kyle's mask like we talked about last time, but I thought Hal was drawn pretty well. I like good. No, go ahead. No, I thought for the most I liked I liked the way the new the Templar Guardians were drawn. I liked their look. I thought Exeter was drawn pretty cool. Um it was nicely done. Again, like we've talked about before, Kyle's outfit and his mask and everything is especially the mask is kinda for White Lantern, that's kinda the status quo. But it still looked better I think in this issue than it did in uh in Green Lantern when we saw it briefly. But I thought the art I thought was I was pretty happy with the art in this issue overall. Yeah. Now, I do like the art for the most part. The only problem I have, and maybe it has to do with the coloring, um, but every time I see Kyle, it's not just his mask. It's the look of his costume overall that kind of bothers me. It's got, I mean, I know he's the White Lantern, so I guess the silver is kind of like what the what the black would be on a regular Lantern's costume, but the sh- the sh- the kind of like shiny factor of his costume bothers me a bit. I could see I mean, that. I, I mean, I, he he is the White Lantern. I mean, so the brightest of them all, literally, is that color. So why I would want him to be dull or like visually, not you know, character wise, would be is probably a little bit weird. But just every time you see his costume, it's got like this sheen to it. And I get what they're going for, but for some reason, it just does not look right. No, I can understand that. I think I think I think that's a fair criticism. Mm-hmm. But I do like, and you can tell, like in this issue, the artist is getting to have some fun with this. I mean, space sharks, like space shark, design it, go. <laughs> you know, <Right>. so it's, <laughs> it's 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 not like the uh, the writer was like, hey. So I want him fighting space sharks, and I want the shark's fins to be metal, right. and you know, like giving him specific directions. He's just like, "Hey, space sharks, what does that look like?" Go. <laughs> so they got to have fun with that. And then you get to the double page spread of the anomaly. Look at all those spaceships. Just take just take a second and just look at all of those spaceships. Look at the tree looking one, the uh, whatever that that. Violet one with all the spikes down there, the little blue ones, the all the weird. I mean, I, I keep looking in this thing, half expecting to see like the like to see Serenity or like the Millennium Falcon in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, it, it just it, 
each and every one of these ships is different. Like you can tell they're from all over the sector, all over the sectors. Pretty cool looking. So, you know, they, they got to have fun in that respect, uh, you know, and the, some artists might not take the time to do this, but when, on that double page spread, look at them flying in, look at the trails of energy. There's six guardians. There's six green trails of energy. And there's one white trail of energy. That's true. It's much more detail-oriented. I like that. <clears throat> and I also like, as far as art is concerned, it's not anything really even big at all. But when they're fighting the space shark, and uh, Kyle creates that construct, of, as he does, of uh, armor around himself, the helmet of that uh, mech that he's in, has the white lantern symbol. Yeah. He's creating it with green energy, but it's got the white lantern symbol on it. And on his feet. Or that one foot down there. Yes, it does. So that's that's kind of cool, too. So there's lots of detail and cool stuff in here as far as the art is concerned. And I, I just don't like Kyle's mask at all, but if if I'm just taking a step back from the mask, it's just that sheen to that art. Just That, that costume just does not, does not sit well with me. I don't know. Whatever. He drew Kara well too. Yeah, he did. Um, I like, I like. She's cute. Um, I, I'm assuming that this is the start of some sort of weird romance thing they're gonna try. I don't know. Again, as I stated last uh, episode, I've only uh, read these three issues and the the one prior, uh, or the uh, three issue of Green Lantern prior that we just reviewed. So. I don't know where they're going with it. I'm assuming they're going that angle. I can kind of feel it here. But, yeah. So. Oh, and, and one thing I just I just now caught. On that page where Carol and uh, Kyle are talking, the very last panel, it kind of serves as a transition into the anomaly double page spread because the dark, the shadow side. Yes, on Kyle's face. Yeah, the shadow on Kyle's face is all uh, stars. That's cool. So, what did you think about the story? How was this for like a, a first issue of the uh, of this new run? I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought there was much more substance to it, and and more relevant than uh, have more relevance than uh, Green Lantern Twenty One. Um, I thought this was because you because we know we know Relic is going to be the big thing, you know, through the first part of the the first six months or so, basically of the of these new of the new creative teams and we know how they already kind of told us that, you know what relics can have repercussions that are that will affect all the cores not just green and it's going to be something that there's going to be some residual effect even after the story arcs over not like a first lantern kind of thing where not that much cha- you know not that much changes as far as the, the actual lantern cores as far as their power set or anything like that and i thought it was in- i thought it was interesting i thought it was an interesting way to to um introduce relic i thought i liked the way that you had another another example of a character in exeter trying to do the right thing and he's on the surface he seems like a bad guy but he's actually trying to basically save save the guardians and kyle from themselves since they don't know what the hell they're doing or what they're dealing with and i think it's a good way of introducing and i and i kind of like the fact that it turned out that basically the anomaly itself was just relic and it's been out there for so long and now they have to now they have to deal with getting you know, 
the curiosity killed the cat kind of thing. Now you got to deal with getting too close and trying to examine things too closely because now you have to uh, deal with the consequences. Now, I know we deal with Exeter in the next issue, but does he come back at all during this Relic storyline? No, not no. I I I think he will come back. I think it was hinted that they they they'd like to bring him back, but but I don't I, as far as my off the top of my head, my recollection is that he does not come back after after the next two after this issue and issue 22, I think I think he's off the board for the for the foreseeable future. Hmm. Because uh, I'm kind of curious as to how he knows what he knows. You yeah, know what I mean, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm. You know how how <laughs> I know this is like a running theme with me, but like how old he is, like how long has this creature been guarding this particular area? You know right. what I mean. So, or did he like inherit the mantle of guarding the anomaly, that kind of thing? So. You know, like what's 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 Exeter's history? History, not just how does he know what he knows, but if he inherited the mantle of the guardian of the anomaly, well, what does that mean? That means that somebody has, since the basically this this universe has come into existence, because as we all know, that even in this issue, that this anomaly is a is quote unquote a relic from the old from a, the old universe. So ever since this new universe was created. Has someone known what this was and been guarding it since the beginning of the universe? So, like, not only what is the history of Exeter himself, but if it was passed down to him, what, what's the history of that? You know, Knights of the Knights of the Round Table kind of guardian <laughs> thing. So, okay, so it's certainly a character that would be interesting to learn more about. So, I think on that on that level, it was I think it was also a successful introduction. Or and not just to the storyline or where they're going in the new new team, but but it introduces a character that it seems like for the most part people kind of at least enjoyed or were curious about. So that, so naturally that opens the door for for him to come back again, and you can do more and you can do more with him. And who know? And maybe they and we don't know this yet. Maybe they do have plans for him. Maybe since they seemingly since a lot of the fallout from uh, lights out that it looks like they have plans. They have. That some of the questions that are raised by fall, by the end of the resolution of Lights Out, they are going to deal with some short term, some long term. That maybe Exeter is going. That's when Exeter is going to come back onto the stage when they come to dealing with. Um, so giving us more of those answers. So. And I know we're hopping around a lot here, but I do like how the theme of Kyle kind of continuing to learn how to use his ring is coming in play and it's not very obvious but like when uh, when he uses rage to inf- influence one of the space sharks yes and and how like I didn't know you could do that and Kyle's basically like well neither did I I just thought I'd try it that's that's kind of cool it is, it, it's it is. it's subtle it's subtle but it's there Yes, because instead of just feeling the emo- feeling the emotion and being able to use it yourself, it shows that you can that, they, that you can channel it and basically get, make a, almost like an indigo kind of thing that you can make them feel you know feel that the emotion that you want them to f- you know the the emotion in particular that you want them to feel. Except Kyle can pretty much do it with all the emotions, so all the parts of the spectrum. So yeah, that, I thought I thought that was kind I thought that was kind of clever. And learning more about Kyle's power set to begin with, and finally getting some definitions about what he can do and what he can't do, because to me there's still some 
major issues with and going back to going back to Green Lantern 20 the idea that he's a white lantern but yet he seemingly can't, doesn't believe he can resurrect anybody and that doesn't make a lot of sense and there's got to be some kind of explanation for for why he can't do that we really haven't gotten one is it is it just going to be because he's math he he wasn't he's well, at this point, anyway, he hasn't hosted the white entity. He hasn't he's he hasn't been given a white ring by the ent- the entity, and is that the reason why he doesn't have the resurrection powers that other people did when they had both those things? If you just master the emotional spectrum, are there some parts of the white light you can't use? But there's some contradictions that that went on in Green Lantern 20, especially after he almost resurrected Korrigor by himself. You know, like like an issue before, like in New Guardians, and then all of a sudden he kind of craps out immediately when Carol says to him, can you bring back, you can bring Hal back, right? It's like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. There's, got, there's, got, there's an inconsistency there, and maybe, and hopefully during this, as the, the Guardians, the Templar Guardians learn about the universe, and that hopefully it's almost like like a hero quest kind of thing for Kyle, too, that he's going to, in the process, understand what he can do and what he can't do now with the power that he has. Yeah, because these Guardians... Are still of the same uh, ilk of the ones who harnessed white power. Because remember, when, I hate saying white power. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, take off your sheet, Chad. <laughs> oh wow. Anyways, uh, they're they're of the same Malthusians who who were using the white energy before they switched over to the green. Because when they, we first saw them in the in the uh, the uh, the what was it the chamber of shadows or something yes when we first saw them there and they went up against their brothers they were using white energy so they know something about this power so i'm wondering if they can like if they're observing kyle and you know one day just go by the way you're doing that inefficiently what you should do you know because that's how guardians are (laughs) that's true um but i wonder also if kyle's understanding of his power is also his limited um, perception of how to use it. Like, notice every time he uses a tool or a shield or something like that, it's green. Yes, it's, it's, he, there's no doubt that he that he falls back on green more times than not, because that's which makes sense because that's the color that he's used to that he's used to using the most. So that in his mind's eye, you're you're I mean, you're. You probably hit the nail on the head completely. That in, in his mind's eye, he still sees himself mostly as green. If if you have to define yourself, so when when he, subconsciously when he has to act and he has to without thinking that he probably he's probably always going to lean towards using the green energy first. Yeah, and uh, one last thing I wanted to point out, uh, unless you had something else, on the very first page when they're talk, the guardians are going on their little spiel. And then you get that image of uh, Ganthet shooting Kyle. Yeah. Did that feel out of place to you? It took me a minute to figure out what that was and why it was there. Based on the composition of the page, it does seem out of place. I, I mean, I I did kind of figure out, especially one if you didn't get it right away, as soon as you turned the page, you kind of got – you kind of – to me, it kind of became clear or was clear that, you know, that's what that's – that the the, guard, the guardians are kind of yapping away, but this is what Kyle's thinking. You know, this is what right. you know that this is that you can say anything you want, but this is kind of what the image that's stuck in my brain and, and, and in my body about dealing with the guardians because I trust because I didn't I never trusted anyone more than Ganset and, and you know look what happened to him thanks to the other guardians too. So, 
but yes, based on the way it's structured, it's kind of it kind of does seem a little out of place. But but I, again, I I kind of figured where they were going with it, so it didn't bother me anyway. Yeah, the um, I mean, I figured it out. It was just like I wonder if it could have been structured better, like you know maybe uh, shift the, the the image of the central power battery over flush and then make the two smaller panels the same width as the 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 bigger panel of all the guardians and then use that bottom section to like after they get through asking him you know a picture of kyle not saying anything then a panel of this flashing through his mind and then page through page turn no you know what i mean like you, you 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 would get like an image there of Kyle is thinking of something and then uh, the next panel would show you what he's thinking about and then you page turn now. You know what I mean? So but but it is but it also relating to the the way the book began it's also interesting that I mean that's of course obviously why they have to show no matter how they just chose to show it that they had to deal with, you know, the whole Gantha thing for Kyle from his point of view only because it's clear just from him talking to Hal and how and what what he says and how he how he acts out when they're fighting the space sharks and including the the thing you mentioned about using rage that that he's got a lot of anger built up in him regarding the guardians and just because the, we have a whole bunch of new guardians going hey that's not us that's not really working for him it's like you you, you may look a little different and you may sound a little different but you know, we've all had dealings with the with guardians in the past, and at the end of the day, it seems like they, they on varying degrees of of inflexibility, clearly. But the, we all kind of end up in the same spot at the end of the day. So, I I I thought that was interesting. I and I liked the fact that his first reaction was like basically like you know get the hell out of here. There's no way I'm I'm going to think about this. <laughs> and then and then Kyle, you, go ahead. Go ahead. And then just. The way Hal convinces Kyle that you know, well, the, the reason why you should take the job is not is because you don't trust him. That whole that whole that whole Godfather thing again about keeping your friends close but your enemies closer. It's like you don't trust these guys, but that's why you should do this. And because you're the only one, you're the best one suited to not only sound the alarm, but if they start doing something, you're the one who's in the best position to be able to do something about it first. Uh, and before we move on, because I, I thought that was the last thing that I just saw. What did you think of the the guardians on the cover? How they look like Muppets? <laughs> Their mouths are like super big <laughs> and frowny. <laughs> like uh, I, I didn't. I, I guess I guess you could kind of see the Muppet part. I didn't really take it that way, but I, I kind of <laughs> like the little helmets myself. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Into battle! <laughs> awesome. All right. Anything else to say about this? No, I think we covered twenty one on by itself, you know, well enough. Should should we? Oh, and James doesn't have to edit this out, but so should we do the the buy borrow pass thing? I don't we didn't know. do it last episode, but no, I I, I kind of that's funny that you mentioned that because before we ever got to recording, I I was curious whether whether we were going to do that. Um. Would you? I mean, do you want to? I mean, we could do it. And but are we gonna reference the fact that we didn't do it <laughs> for the previous three issues for the last episode? Or oh, that's not, you know what? Let, we'll let the listeners decide. So, you guys, if you want us to do the buy borrow pass thing, or then then let us know. For right now, we won't do it. 
I'm sure that based on our general synopsis and stuff of, of issues, you'll probably figure out whether we liked it or not. But if you want us to more, do a more concrete buy, borrow, pass, let us know. Uh, just shoot us an email, lanterncast at gmail.com or a voicemail at uh, 708 Lantern. Oh, okay, so what? Now it's time for issue 22, right? Correct. All right, we'll pull that up. For those of you listening at home, I'm looking at these digitally, so there we go. All right, so uh, issue two, uh, Justin Jordan, writer, Brad Walker, artist, Andrew Hennessy is the inker. Um, we open up with uh, where we left off. Uh, Relic has just kind of busted out of the anomaly, um, and they're kind of syncing up the internal monologue of Kyle with the, uh, the thoughts and uh, – uh, ramblings of Relic as he enters this new universe, you know, going through confusion and then curiosity and everything. Um, then uh, Kyle's like, you guys, you know, look, basically ask the Guardians, you guys have any idea what's going on? You know, they say he's he's studying, he's probing. Um, so, uh, what was this guy's name again? Just Exeter, right? Exeter, yes. Yeah, so Exeter's like, well, forget this, uh, I'm going to go up against him. So, Relic just kind of snatches uh, Exeter out of space uh, and then starts, uh, I guess, basically assimilating uh, the technology in Exeter's armor. Kyle attacks him and then uh, Relic realizes there's someone attacking him and calls him, quote, a lightsmith, uh, which will come into play later on. Um, And uh, this uh, really worries Relic and says, you know, this cannot happen again. Tosses uh, Exeter aside, uh, and that's what's that uh, not only are those probes that uh, Relic sent out studying, but they're also assimilating the ships that they're studying, and it's kind of nanotechnology morphing into a new ship that uh, Relic is going to be using. Uh, the, uh, the, Kyle doesn't want the inhabitants of those ships to die, so he flies in after Relic into this new ship to go up against him. Starts trying to tear through the ship, but then the ship is absorbing the energy of his ring, uh, so much so that he can't even maintain maintain his costume, and he's just kind of strung up in in uh, his you know his civvies, as it were. Um, we cut back to Earth in Coast City. Because somehow Carol made it from New York to Coast City. I, I guess she just flew to New York to help Kyle move. I don't know. I mean, well, she's got a ring, so I guess she should, she could go whenever she wants. Um, I would too. Save on airfare. Um, so suddenly her ring's like, hey, Star Sapphire, you're required. And then teleports her to where the Guardians are. And she's all upset and yelling at the Guardians, and they're like, hey, sorry, 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 calm down, but hey, just turn around. <laughs> we need you. Um, and she asks where Kyle is, and then we get a uh, kind of like a dream sequence glimpse of Kyle painting under a tree, and he's got stacks of paintings he's done before. And basically it says, uh, as it says here, so I already did the alphabet, the history of the core, the Intergalactic Atlas, the top ten science fiction movies of the, of the 70s, and, well, all of this. Um, so, obviously, through this dream sequence, Relic is attempting to learn about this universe through Kyle's images and paintings and stuff. Um, so, you know, 
already done the alphabet, meaning it's, it's relic learning the language, and so on and so forth, as I'm sure you can assume. Um, we pull out of this dream sequence and realize that Kyle is still being studied by Relic uh, and uh, probed for knowledge. So Star Sapphire and Exeter kind of team up uh, and uh, try to break into the ship to get Kyle back. Carol kind of enters this dream sequence, uh, kind of, not necessarily so much uh, enters the ship, but I guess kind of connects, using her, her power, connects to Kyle emotionally, enters that uh that dream sequence lets him know it's not real breaks out of it his light ignites um to which relic says interestingly impossible there is no white light um kyle flies back into the group uh with carol the guardians and exeter uh exeter um is kind of, his suits damaged he's asking for help and that's the last time we see him and then um uh, Kyle goes, flies up to the Guardians and says, look, we need help. That's when, uh, I, I'm guessing, what, using a, a black hole or something, because they don't describe it there. Uh, Relic takes his ship and kind of teleports slash warp drive slash something out of where uh, the sector that they're in, and Kyle's like, I don't even know if we can stop this dude. And next, Keep Hope Alive. An appropriate title. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> yeah, or not. <laughs> so what did you think of this issue? I thought it was interesting. I think I liked the 21 a little better, but I do like the fact that we get a glimpse into not just what his motives are, uh, Relic, but but the ability that his – the way he uses technology, the way he kind of is able to absorb and cam- cannibalize and replicate and – that he's, he's kind of like a scavenger from the point from the point of view that he whatever he finds he he can you know whatever he finds he finds you know he finds a way to use it. Uh, I like it was an interesting, it was clever and and not something we kind of haven't seen before the idea of somebody manipulating Kyle and you kind of and the, they kind of take advantage of his his uh, talents as an artist and his background as an artist to try to you know keep, either keep him busy or, or or get information out of him. I mean, we've kind of seen that before, but I th- I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of an interesting. I kind of it's, it's kind of interesting that the picture that the one picture that we actually see is of Sinestro. Well, there's two actually. Where's the other one? Is that on that page or the next page? Oh yeah, you're right. There's uh, the the hand, the Corona, right? The creation, mm-hmm. right? That that is true. That and uh, and also the alphabet too, for what it's worth. <laughs> but that goes hand in hand with, like you said, with him learning, like learning the language and everything. But but I just I just it just struck me as interesting that the the of all the, of all the different things you could see representing the core and everything, you see Sinestro and the with Sinestro the Guardians together, like in one little in one of his portraits. But right. I I thought relic. I think they did a good job of making Relic look dangerous and make in building building the threat level up. I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. Um and for the most part I like the art too. Again, he he does draw a good Carol, so that's the one good thing about Carol being a, seemingly going to be a mainstay in this book for for the near future that, that I actually think he draws uh draws Carol better than he draws Kyle. Mhm. But. Well, I mean, and look at her costume when she pops there. You see this the shininess there? 
I yeah, wonder if I, it's just I wonder if it's just something they're going for now. I would suspect it is. I would suspect it's kind of maybe, maybe they give more of an armor look instead of more of a like more of a just a clothy kind of costume look. Maybe that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Now, one thing we forgot to mention uh, in the first issue is one of the things. Or not, not maybe it wasn't in this first issue. Hold on. Uh, going back, going back, going back. But what's the point? And I will know which, which issue it was in. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah, it's in this issue. First page. Uh, where he says, then curiosity. Okay, so... Relic says, fascinating, I'm alive. Then I was mistaken, the cosmos survived. They did not damn us all. Wait. No, the stars are wrong. The physics are wrong. This is new. This is what came after another universe. Um, so it's not just that it's a new universe, but Relic is being made in... I mean, I know that we sort of know what happens. Like, I've read the 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 Relic uh, one-shot issue, so I know I know more about this character. Um, but it's interesting to note that Relic never really goes on the offensive here. He does a little bit later. Um, but throughout this entire issue, Relic is never really on the offensive. He's just studying. The threat comes when you realize that they can't even overpower his technology. Like, forget Relic himself. His technology is a force that they can't even reckon with. Be- and, and that's why I was going back to this panel. It's not just that the stars are wrong. It's the physics are wrong. Relic operates on a totally different perception of physics in general. So, like, uh, that, that, that's when you're talking about how Relic's being made into the threat. You have to realize that in this issue, he never does anything himself. To threaten anybody, it's just his tech. Nobody right, they, they're connecting. They're connecting the dots. They're laying the dots out that that, that are going to lead to, you know, where we're going with it. It's not that he. It's not that. Well, well, other than him torturing Kyle, that's kind of that's playing the mind games with Kyle. Kind of, I think, is the fir- is the first physical manifestation himself that he's a threat. But yes, overall, it's just connecting the dots that. You know he's really powerful. His tech is really advanced, and then once you put, once you combine that with what his motives are and what his ultimate goal is, you know, what his motivation is, and which is kind of interesting too, because you go back to the that quote about the, you know the the third panel of the book, and that also makes you wonder if even at the end of Lights Out, how much of what he really thought was correct is going to turn out to be correct, because mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that could another hint. There there are some hints along the way. Um, I think they opened the door to the fact that, you know, he could partially be right, but he's not going to be, he's not as right as he thought he was. Now that second page is just something I noticed. When Relic is standing up with his, like, hand up and everything, in the title page where it says Relic, if you look at Kyle's costume, it just kind of reinforces the shiny thing I'm seeing. It's reflecting the stars. Yes. So, yeah, it's just something I thought I'd point out. Oh, Let's see. Now, what did you when when you read this? Did you read? Were you reading these as they came out, or were you like us, just going, "I need a break for a minute. I'm gonna read all these in a chunk when I get a chance." I believe New Guardians. I've I've been reading ever. I've been reading whenever they came out. I really haven't let, been letting them build up. And that, and for the most part, when the first few issues of every title, the new teams came out, I was reading them. 
um, when they came out. It's only re- it's only honestly, I'll be honest. Core is one almost from the beginning. I I didn't grab me as much, so I think I I wasn't. It's not like I've been let, let two or three issues build up before I read them. It's just the fact that I didn't necessarily rush out to get them the first day they you know they came out. They were they came out in the store. But I, for the most part, I think with New Guardians, I've been keeping up to date. As I read it as soon as I can, and I don't let I don't let it build up. So. Okay, so in addition to absorbing all of and trying to understand all of what Relic is, what did you think about when he recognized the lights miss, but then later on says there is no white light? Well, it does a couple of things. It shows you number one that despite. And as you you know, we find out more about who Relic is and what you know that he's basically. We find out that he's a scientist, and that was and. But it shows that his knowledge of the emotional spectrum, at least the emotional spectrum, the way it exists in our universe, is limited. That it's not that he may he doesn't know as much as he thinks he knows, or else he would know of the possibility, at least, of the white light. So that shows that in his universe there were no white lanterns, or there, were, there was no white light. It also, I think, is just is another thing that a potential building block to build the case that he's not as right as he thinks. That there may be some things he's right about as far as his analysis and his theory, but he's probably in the big picture. He's probably not really nearly as right as he thinks he is because. And and these are little pieces of the puzzle. There was there was any oh as the as we get more into the storyline and, and the entities become involved that that's another thing that he we find that he really has no understanding of and no experience with so there are a bunch of things that either are di- completely different in our universe that were different in his or his experiences in his own universe were a lot more limited and maybe their understanding of the emotional spectrum and their use of it was even though we know they were it was it was grander as far as some of how they use the power based on the relic one shot that they had some really elaborate uses of the power but maybe their actual understanding of where it came from and then so- maybe it wasn't an, as great potentially even as our universe's understanding of the spectrum yeah i wonder i wonder if, if anybody can i mean i'm not saying i'm i'm unique but if people saw it as they were reading it um, not just this issue but the next issue too going into the next issue Relic is not just a scientist. He's an egomaniac in some ways because look right here. He sees and studies firsthand that there is a new white light. But going into the next issue, he totally and completely believes he's in the right, that he's experienced all of this before and nothing's going to change his mind. But yet he's already experienced something incredibly new to him and hasn't had time to properly study it. As a scientist type of character, whether it be mad scientist or anything, usually the character seeks to understand everything. Given Relic's personal history and everything we're going to learn about him later on, it's kind of odd that he didn't let this big of a quote-unquote discovery phase him into going, well, hold on, I need to learn more about this. You know what I mean? Yes, he he's essentially a man with a mission, and that and that and that's becomes crystal clear that he's a man with a mission, and he's not going to let anything sway him from his plan. His he knows what he 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 believes he knows what he has to do or what must be done to save this universe to protect it from the same fate as his. 
So he's going to go about doing what he need, what he thinks he needs to do, regardless of the fact that there there are logical reasons to at least step back, take a little time, and maybe not rush you know not rush into doing exactly what he's doing. I think in a way he's he was he's I mean I think there's a similarity there between him and the original better version of, Par- of Parallax. Uh, that in a way he's another that. He's kind of driven by the ends, justifies the means kind of way of thinking that it doesn't really matter how he goes about doing it. It's the fact that what he's going – what he wants to do is 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 big. It's noble, and it's in the big picture better for everybody, so I'm going to do it regardless of you know how many eggs I have to crack to make this ultimate omelet. And I think that's who Relic is. I think that's – he becomes crystal clear. And I mean obviously the next issue, it becomes even more crystal clear because – because of what he does and who he targets that. I mean, that's like kicking a puppy for God's sake. And that's, and he doesn't really care because in his mind, he's got to deal with the biggest threat and that's what he perceives as the biggest threat. So that's the title of the next chapter of this book, ultimate omelet. (laughs) That'd be the, that'd be the the graphic novel. (laughs) Um, uh, and unless there was one other thing you wanted to talk about, what what about uh, Carol reaching out to him, being able to make a connection uh, while he's in that sort of dream sequence. Well, that's something else that we see. It, it again, it, it's it's a it's a connected dot kind of thing. It it opens it's opening the door for whatever's going to happen between Kyle and Carol, which is not as of the moment anyway. It's not really crystal clear what's going to happen. But but you were correct in that the building the, that they are laying the, the the groundwork for 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 things that could develop. And this whole idea of the tether of her having an emotional connection. To him is something that that factors in. Actually, it factors into the conclusion of Lights Out, the the annual. That's as we see. That's the the rest of the heroes basically are able to use Carol's connection to to uh, Kyle to be able to figure out where everybody is and what's going on. So, see, I'm wondering though, is if as you're reading this, could you just kind of figure that? Carol and Kyle's closeness and even her being able to reach out to him uh, in this kind of state just has to do with their history. Not necessarily any sort of romantic attachment, but technically, given Kyle's past and how he is with his family and girlfriends and everything, he's I'm not saying he is, but for the most part, Kyle's kind of like a loner. And the connections he has, he's made through the core. If Hal's one of the closest people to him and Carol's one of the closest people to Hal, and let's say, I mean, because we're not 100% sure exactly what's still in continuity from the old DCU, let's say Hal did go nuts, and let's say Kyle was the only lantern, was the torchbearer, wasn't kind of his interaction with uh, with uh, Pieface and uh, and Carol kind of part of all that, you know, like right. uh, yeah, you know, Carol and Kyle talked at the the funeral that we just reviewed not too long ago. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that details like that are still in continuity. I'm just saying, like, given what could have possibly happened to Hal in the past, and given what could have possibly been a part of Kyle's continuity, Kyle and Carol have probably crossed paths a whole lot. So, isn't she? Couldn't you be reading these two issues here and be thinking, well, maybe she's just sort of like brother sister kind of relationship and she she loves him because they have lots of history together like you love a really close friend or something like that what my, my take on this was when i was reading it the first time 
even now, you know, obviously we, I, more books have come out, so you kind of know, you know, where things are, or the complications that are arising and the questions that are being kind of like openly asked or close to being openly asked in, in the up to date, the current issues. When I was first reading it, the kind of the, the last issue too, when uh, when she's kind of helping him, that's kind of why I mentioned that. Oh, she's just kind of randomly for no real reason helping him pack. I mean, that I think my my feeling was she. They're trying to this. I forget whether what, the, what their intent was. My my impression is she's developing feelings for him that that are strong stronger than friendship. Why he's not necessarily at this point developing feelings for her that are stronger than friendship. You may be absolutely correct. He may see her almost like you know a pseudo sister-in-law at this point because Hal's you know his brother, that kind of thing. That's how my that's how I the vibe that I kind of got from Kyle relating to Carol. That's not the vibe I necessarily got from Carol relating to Kyle. I think, and maybe it's just because she's in a different place. Maybe because of her frustration with Hal, with the fact that she's again she's in love with the idea of Hal or being the the idea of being with Hal. But she knows the practical terms are probably gonna are not going to work out so so happily and not so rose colored, and that may very well influence her ability to keep her ring, which seemingly is just as important to her as Hal's keeping his ring is to Hal at this point. So that's why I think I think they're I think they may end up they may or may not end up in the same place as far as where the feelings are and where it's going. I I my original vibe off of this was that. You know they're kind of not on the same page. They both care about each other, but they're not necessarily caring about each other entirely in the same way. Yeah, I got you. Hmm. All right. Uh, anything else about this issue? Not off the top of my head. I think we got it. All right. Well, then trucking right along to number twenty-three. A very depressing issue to do, <laughs> <laughs> especially uh, for you. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> And when this is when this is done, I'll, I'll I'll reference a point about about that depression actually. Um, so Green Lantern, New Guardians, number twenty three. Justin Jordan, Brad Walker, and Andrew Hennessy are the, still the creative team. Uh, the cover shows a really angry looking relic with its claws out. Kyle in his White Lantern uniform flying towards him, and the title is "The Rage of Relic." So the issue opens up on Elpis, which is the new home of the Blue Lanterns. And you have St. Walker, Warth, and that cute little giraffe Blue Lantern <laughs> all, all meditating on, on basically Odom Part Du. And it's, while they're meditating, you kind of get some narration from Kyle talking about how that he consider, basically considers the blue light of hope the greatest light and how he really has the utmost respect for the Blue Lanterns because of everything they've been through and how they've never given up their faith and their hope that all will be well. And that he makes kind of an interesting comment, really interesting based on the way the issue plays out, that the universe could use more beings like the Blue Lanterns. While they're meditating, St. Walker, something, something disturbs St. Walker, and he has a really concerned look on his face. Warth asks him if something's wrong, and he goes, yes. And then we turn the page to a big splash page, and you see Adara, the Hope Entity, bursting free from the blue power battery, and she's not looking too good. She's looking like she's crying. She's looking like she's potentially drooling, and she and her and looks like pieces of her feathers are falling off. She's just hightailing it off the planet. And Worth is saying to them, maybe we should go after her. Maybe we, maybe we should help her. 
And St. Walker just kind of says, well, you know, we kind of have other problems. And just then, Relic's ship arrives, and very quickly, Relic starts sending out machinery and probes to attach it themselves to the blue central power battery. St. Walker goes to deal with Relic and tries to find out what he's looking for, that, that there's no reason, you know, we're not your enemy, there's no reason to fight. Uh... And Relic really doesn't care about anything that he's saying because he just knows how powerful they are and he knows that they're lightsmiths and he knows what they will do, even if they don't know what they're doing with the emotional spectrum he does. So he begins to drain the central power battery of the blues. And St. Walker, try, again, tries to say, ask him to stop. You know, This is kind of your last warning or we're going to do something about it. In a way, Relic almost mocks him by saying, I know, I know you're light. You can't really do anything unless you have Will with you. And kind of at that appropriate moment, Kyle, Carol, and the Templar Guardians arrive. And that certainly helps amp up the, the blues. And at the same time, they they basically they start trying to deal with his tech and trying to break the connection that's, that's draining the central power battery. Kyle tries to reason with Relic. That doesn't really work. work. Um, worth... Include some physical contact. He starts breaking the machinery by hand since the lights and the use of the rings don't seem overly effective. And while they're doing that, the, the Templar Guardians try to basically get into, and they do, get into Relic's head to try to stop him and figure out what's going on, which is kind of an interesting little uh, scene because basically while the whole group of Templar Guardians are probing Relic's mind together, Relic basically is able to talk to each of them one-on-one. -on -one. He basically is able to have one-on-one -on -one time and show them all the same exact thing. And he shows them essentially what happened in his universe and his understanding of the emotional spectrum, which really has a dramatic effect on all the Templar Guardians as they all come kind of like falling back to uh, the surface of the planet to Elpis. Um, while they're all, they're, while they're all, all the lanterns that are there are still continuing to fight Relic and his machines, Carol tries to use her, her violet light to tap into... Um, relic, and that's when she finds out something which is kind of shocking. Uh, she just seems stunned, and Kyle thinks, "What do you? What's what's the issue? He can't feel love." And she goes, "Basically, it's just the opposite. It's that he loves everything. He loves the universe. That's why he's doing what he's doing." Kyle tries to use fear against him, uh, which basically are, are the yellow lightsmiths from his world. That's what, how they manifest themselves, or lightsmiths in general, I should say. It looks like they're from different cores, uh, but. That doesn't really phase Relic compared to what he's seen. He's basically seen the end of his universe, so how could few energy constructs phase him? Um, let's see. Relic pretty much keeps absorbing all, all, all the light. All the light that keeps getting sent towards him, he reflects. While he reflects some of the light that's being sent towards him, Kyle and Carol are okay. But unfortunately, St. Walker gets blasted and gets, and gets severely injured. The central blue power yeah, central blue power battery is almost empty at this point, and Kyle really doesn't know what to do. He can't, he seemingly can't heal Saint Walker because there is no blue light to tap into, which is a point worth discussing, of course. Um, and how uh, Kyle Kyle's trying to figure out what to do. The, the Templar guardians touch Kyle and give him show him exactly what. Relic showed them about the emotional spectrum in the universe, and that's when Kyle realizes they need to get out of here. They need to go to Oa. But Kyle really can't – um, he can't get them off of o 
can't get them to OA because he can't tap into the indigo light seemingly because of how much power that's been drained. And that's when the blue lanterns that are pretty much di- that are pretty much down to their their rings at this point because this blue power battery has been completely drained reveal a power we had not seen from them before, which is that they just don't amp up the blue light. They can amp up and power up other lights too. So they power up compassion. So Kyla has enough indigo energy to transport Saint Walker, the Templar Guardians, and Carol to Oa. The Blue Lantern rings all run out of juice, and Relic looks down upon them. And as they all, as the majority of them start to meditate, and he destroys the central power battery, and he destroys all the remaining Blue Lanterns. And that ends this depressing issue. Mm-hmm. I was pretty intense when I read that. I mean, I, I saw that people were freaking out, so I. Uh, online about it, so I did something I never do, <laughs> and I I opened the issue and just skipped right to the end to see what happened, <laughs> so I could figure out what everyone was freaking out about. Right, and I was like, whoa! Even even like not reading all of this and getting the build up to it, I was just like, really? They just knocked out Lantern Corps? Okay, then <laughs> that's kind of intense. <laughs> so. But they but they dropped the ball with leak with leaking information about that. I think it was it still was dramatic. But number one, they kind of already had think at this point they kind of had leaked that one Lantern Corps was going to be was going to be wiped out or decimated, you know, by the end of Lights Out. So you kind of knew that was happening. And then the fact that they they so I don't necessarily know. I know they were why they probably did it to try to build up the oh yeah this is a real event. This isn't just a you know a, like a War of the Green Lanterns kind of event, which is and that, you know, doesn't a lesser event, more like actually Third Army probably would be the better example. So, Mac, but yeah. I think they kind of they, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little, especially because of the fact that technically speaking, this Lantern Corps gets wiped out before Lights Out even begins. <laughs> this is all kind of a prelude to Lights Out, so they kind of like are they're already telling you like, oh, a Lantern Corps is going to be wiped out, and before you even get to Lights Out, you kind of know which one it is. So, they, I don't, I think they could have done a better. A different build towards it, or not leak it, but no matter how, yeah, no matter how, no matter how they did it or leak or let you know something was coming, yeah, this, 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 this was a tough issue to get through. Yeah, and Adara's not just sick, by the way; she's dying. Look well, yeah, at, look, yeah, we know, we, yeah, that's that's true, but it's. I mean, if you if you if because I mean, it says they they say sick, but if you look at her. It's not just their feathers are molting. You can look at her legs yeah, and that's see, true too. see parts of her bone. You look at her chest and the feathers falling off, revealing her rib cage. Like she is, she is dying. So that's that's just crazy. That is um, true. I, I didn't want to delve into that only because tec- technically speaking, they don't really they don't confirm that the the, the entities are dying until like I think the, the next batch of issues or whatever. So. Oh, okay. So that's that's the only reason why. But yes, the assessment is absolutely correct. You know, you know, there's a, a, there's something seriously wrong, wrong with her. When we, when we see Ion soon, it doesn't look any prettier. Yeah. Um. And one bit of funny, uh, a bit of a funny note in this really depressing issue. Apparently, the universe is filled with really beautiful places. Look at this planet. Well, there's probably only a few, but the Blue Lanterns have have a good real estate agent because they know where to find them. <laughs> Now, speaking speaking of this planet, I did a little digging because this the the name of the planet rung a bell. Do you know what uh, Elpis is? 
it's not ringing a bell. I may have heard of it, but it's not ring. It's not. I'm not placed connecting the dots using. The- I'm. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, um, I'm not just a fan of modern day mythology, such as comic books. <laughs> I'm a fan of ancient mythology too. Oh yes, Elpis, Greek. Uh, Elpis rang ring a bell with me in Greek mythology, and I'm reading from uh, Wikipedia here. Uh, in Greek mythology, Elpis was the personification and spirit of hope. Uh, hope hope was usually seen as an extension to suffering by the Greek, not as a god. Uh, perhaps the child of Nyx and mother of fame, the goddess of fame, renowned in rumor. Uh, she was depicted as a young woman, usually carrying flowers or cornucopia in her hands. Um, basically, uh, she's part of the, the in Greek mythology. Elpis is uh, basically uh, was part of the Pandora's box. Yep, the last item. Yeah, whenever they opened Pandora's box and all the sins were released into the world and all the evil and stuff, the box was closed before the very last thing could get out of the box, which was hope. Uh, So basically Pandora's box, as people generally understand, it wasn't just filled with all evil. It was just closed before the balancing force could get out of it. Um, So that's that's basically Elpis. Um, So it's very apropos for, for this. So I like I like that little uh, thing that they threw in there. They named this planet that you know we probably won't see again. Maybe we will. I don't know. Um, we named this planet Elpis. Just well, let's find something that means hope. Oh well, this seems good. <laughs> Besides, they made the uh, we name a bunch of planets like Mars right. uh, and Pluto and stuff off of Greek mythology. Why wouldn't we name another planet the same way? <laughs> that's true. So that's pretty cool. Actually, I think the planets were based off of Roman mythology. Yeah, but yes. Okay. <clears throat> so. Yeah. yeah, this was a, certainly a very depressing episode. Issue. Here we so, go again. So, so what were you going to say about this uh, issue? Is that it's it's weird? Maybe probably be, probably because they had they had leaked the information that one of the lantern cores was going to be wiped out, and even though even though. Once that information was leaked out and, and there was and the speculation began, oh, which one, you know, which core is going to be wiped out? And you start dealing with, oh, maybe it's the indigo because the indigo really doesn't bring that much to the ta- bring that much to the table. Or maybe they're going to, you know, maybe it's going to be the, maybe they'll get rid of the sapphires, or maybe they're going to get rid of, you know, so going down, going down the line. And it's like I kind of, I kind of knew they were going to get rid of the blues, but just because it's the it's probably the core they could get rid of that most that. People would actually care the most about, other than other than the greens. That since so many people like the blue lanterns, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be the blue, and and I also and I think maybe because of that fact, and because and that it lessened the it lessened the impact a little. It still was depressing. It lessened the impact on me a little, but I, I think it was. I found the issues of New Guardians dealing with the destruction of Odom to be a lot more depressing than this. <laughs> I really thought that was much more depressing since Odom was such a perfect world. That it wasn't just that the Blue Lanterns were being kicked out and had to find another home. It's just the fact that that planet was so beautiful. And it was just kind of like ravaged in the way it was. But this is a close This is a close second. Obviously, we know St. Walker is still alive. St. Walker still technically has juice in his ring too, which I'm sure will be something that will be played upon down the road. And it was also an interesting reveal – with the, what did you think of the reveal that the that the Blue Lanterns had more powers than we than we knew about, 
And I thought that was cool, but it was also continuing on of the theme we saw earlier, you know, um, uh, Kyle learning stuff about his own ring in the white ring. And we also learn in these issues, not just stuff about the white ring in this series, but we learn about some other rings. So that's, that's, that's kind of cool that it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to know that these new creators are going in and some of them aren't afraid to be like, well, well I'm just going to go in and add more stuff to the mythos. It's not like, okay, let's ask Jeff Johns for a rule book and let's adhere to that. So nobody gets upset. You know, they're like, well, maybe we can tweak this and add this. And I like that. They're not afraid to do that. That's and, cool. and there really isn't. And by luck of the draw, I was for, for some reason, as a quick aside, I've, I've been trying to find the green lantern annual that led to the uh, rise of the third army. And for some reason I must've bagged and boarded it with something else. And it wasn't the first issue on top. So like I've, for whatever reason, I've wanted to read that issue for a couple of months, and I've been unable to find it. And I just was determined over the weekend, I'm going to dig through everything in that in this container to find it. And I did. But along the way, I pulled out all the issues of War of the Green Lanterns, and I reread War of the Green Lanterns. And one of the things that I this reminded me of this scene here reminds me of in War of the Green Lanterns. You had Kyle, who who when Ganth is pretty much you know ripping into all of the Earth's Green Lanterns for the new colors that they've chosen for various reasons, Kyle kind of gets the weakest slap on the wrist because all he says to Kyle is that you're not prepared to be a Blue Lantern. And to me, that, that always meant simply that you know Kyle has the potential to be, but he basically didn't have the crash course on what your powers can do and what they can't do, which is probably why he couldn't turn off the supercharging of the Green Lantern's ranks because St. Walker in kind of hinted a long time ago to me in his first full issue when he was talking to Hal that if he really wanted to stop amping up the Green Lantern rings, if he stopped quote-unquote hoping for that, that he could do it. That I think, but it must be a de- I always assumed it was just a default power, the Blue Lantern rings, it's defaulted on, so if you don't, as long as you can feel hope enough to use the ring, you'd be hyping up, a, amping up a Green Lantern, and you wouldn't be able to do a thing about it even if you wanted to stop until you learned how to control your power. But also in that storyline, you had you, when John was was Indigo, he said to Kyle, "Well, you're a Blue Lantern. You can you can supercharge other rings. So supercharge me up." And that's when Guy kind of said, "Well, you got to." I think it was Guy who said, "You better get, go back and read your Lantern Handbook because Blue's only you know supercharged greens." And this is what this reminded me of too. It's like that again that there are some power sets for every ring that are just default and on, and some you much like playing a video game, you have to learn and unlock different abilities or be able to access different things. And if Kyle really knew what a Blue Lantern ring could have done and was completely trained in it before, he probably would have been able to turn off the green amping and or hype or amp up another color like John's Indigo. And so I, I think I thought it was a pretty cool reveal. I don't think there was anything in it that was a contradiction. It was just something that it was a power we had we really had never seen the, the need for before. So I, I liked it, and I I, I feel bad. For, I, I'm I'm gonna miss Worth too. I always liked Worth. Yeah, I'm gonna miss that giraffe character too. Yeah, he's cute. I like. And we him. never got to figure out who the spy was for the Star Sapphires. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's true. Oh. Now, now, and there, there may be other stuff in here to talk about, but like, honestly, it's just like a. It's like you said earlier. It's a depressing issue. So I don't know what else there would be to talk about other than the fact that it doesn't matter what happened by the end of by the end of this, the Blue Lantern Corps is gone. But one other thing that would need to be talked about is, and again, you've got future novels. So, um, St. Walker, he's lost Odom, 
he was the first Blue Lantern. He's been through Blackest Night and Brightest Day. He lost his leaders, Ganthet and Sade. Uh, the first, he's lost Blue Lanterns on Odom from the, uh, not, not just Odom, but Blue Lanterns themselves un, uh, under his care. He took charge, relocated him to this new planet, and lost them all again. So I think it's really interesting, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what they put St. Walker through, how he reacts to these things. Because it's one thing to, you know, face the standard death and destruction. It's quite another to be the only one left holding the torch for this core based in hope when all you get is is losing everyone and everything. Like, basically, can you keep the faith, quote-unquote, when everything is falling apart around you? And he is. He's, there's no doubt that he absolutely... This could also, also potentially, even though supposedly from what I... Even what I read today, actually, that whatever they're going to do with St. Walker, it's not necessarily going to be in the New Guardians book. So this is probably shooting my concept down to hell or what could. But still, it it tightens the bond even if it doesn't come into play right away between Kyle and St. Walker because they kind of both – because now St. Walker is kind of what Kyle was now. He's kind of the – he is the torchbearer of the Blue Lantern Corps. He is the only Blue Lantern left at this point. But we don't know what the deal is with Ganthet and Sade. We don't know, if, you know, if they can come back and be Blue Lanterns again and or restart that core if they needed to, probably. But, but he's the last one, so he's got, and he has to carry on. And at some point, and again, the the, the dep- as depressing as this issue was, and it's an and and I don't like that they had to do this or they chose to do this. But if you really go back and look at the end of Green Lantern twenty, there still isn't anything that contradicts with that. If you kind of right. if you keep holding that up as saying, well, this is something that completely slaps that in the face, it really doesn't. Because all we know found out at the end of Green Lantern twenty was that Saint Walker was going to have another family again, and and he was going to at some point spread so much hope throughout the universe and build and build the Blue Lantern Corps up so much that they were going to rival the Green Lanterns in their number of members. All that can still happen. He's just now back to ground zero. He has to start at the first at take the first baby steps again to do that. Now the real question, like you mentioned is whether when we actually get to deal with St. Walker again after Lights Out or, when, or however far down the road before we ha- before they bring him back in on, onto the stage as an active player, is he going to be going through this angst phase? Is he going to be depressed and unable and unable to use the blue light? Is, he gonna, is it going to be like a hero quest for him to rediscover his faith and then from that point on start rebuilding the Blue Lantern Corps slowly and surely? It's got to also – it's really got to suck for him even more, I mean, not even more, but at compounding the damage, the fact that the way the Blue Lanterns are selected, because each Blue Lantern is supposed to select the next Blue Lantern. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he and Worth were pretty close. So that's as far as, you know, personal loss goes. There probably wasn't anybody else he could have lost that would have had him on a personal level, with Ganthet and Sade seemingly being gone. There isn't anybody else I think St. Walker probably could have lost that would have had a personal impact on him at this point more than Worth. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be inter- it's going to be in- interesting. It's, I'm glad I'm glad they didn't kill Sam Walker. That was the one thing I was I was really afraid that they might do. They might kill Saint Walker, even though you know it's a comic book death, and at some point he probably would come back. But that would have really, and I think they they might have just figured that would might have been taken it a step too far, considering how people like Saint Walker. But this issue still was a bummer. And the other thing I think probably worth touching upon a little was just the fact that 
just the way how the guardians once the guardians actually got a glimpse into a relic's mind and relic's knowledge how quickly their you know their approach to things changed and how they needed to, <laughs> they needed to make sure Kyle understood what what they were dealing with too because because there was a lot probably even more a lot greater threat probably than they even realized at the time before that moment now I didn't realize this in the first read through and I've read this a couple of times so I've noticed it since then so but one one thing I didn't notice on the first read through was that it's not just Worth that's charging up um, Kyle. Oh yeah, it's, it's not like War. Yeah, it's not like Worth is making the decision for all the Blue Lanterns. It's all the Blue Lanterns are just like, yeah, we're done, and we're more than willing to give you all the power we've got left. Yep. To give you a chance, so that that was kind of cool. It is because, cool, and it, and it's also I mean, and in a in a it's logical to sacrifice also because in a way. If you want to delve into it, they're they're sacrificing to keep hope alive, not just because of Kyle, but also because you know, they're sacrificing to keep Saint Walker alive. I mean, it all comes into play. They know that they that he's trying to get Saint Walker out of there and do what he can for him too. So it isn't just it isn't just keeping Kyle alive because he's a White Lantern and he can touch the blue. Because obviously, that's another part we could delve into. Actually, the fact that. How they're making it sound like that there's no there's no hope left for him to touch to tap into just because the blue power power battery's been drained. That's kind of an interesting point. Um, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, but but yeah. but they're making a sacrifice to sit to keep hope alive, and they're keeping Saint Walker alive, which is which in I guess they're hoping, no pun intended, that's. To killing that that's accomplishing basically the same thing. You keep Saint Walker and Kyle alive, you're keeping hope alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what did you So this uh this 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 issue overall, was it for not really forgetting, but for lack of a better term, forgetting the fact that the Blue Lantern Corps is dead, what did you think of this issue overall? Forgetting, like, you know, I know you the mean. holy shit kind of moment. I thought it was a good issue. I thought it pushing, yeah, putting the, pushing the emotions aside, no pun intended, that you get from reading this, especially if you're a big Blue Lantern guy like I am, that it, again, it, it keeps amping up the, what, in increasing the, what's at risk here, the, it's putting it all in perspective about what what they're dealing with, and I mean, if he could if he could do this to the blues and wipe out the blue battery, drain it, drain it. We've already gotten a glimpse through Green Lantern twenty one that he ends up on Oa attempting to do the same thing. That you realize that that he is a, literally a threat to drain and wipe out the entire emotional spectrum. And the question is how. At the, at this moment, we don't entirely know why he's doing it. And we, but the bigger issue is how do we stop it? Because he certainly seems to be completely unreasonable that you can't that you that you can't reach him and make him realize that maybe why don't you tell us why you're doing what you're doing and maybe we can work together to try to figure out another alternative. He's kind of this he's kind of really bitter at the fact that you know he tried this as we find out later on. He tried he tried being re- complete as far as he was concerned, being completely reasonable once before, and he was completely you know kicked to the curb and. And now, you know, he is completely determined that, you know, it doesn't really matter if they want to listen to me or not. You know, they had their chance before. Now I'm going to do it my way. Again, kind of like a, the Hal Parallax zero hour time frame approach to things. Right. Now, one other thing I wanted to mention before we uh, wrap up the, the conversation, unless you have something else. Okay. Um, was 
in this issue, we get another kind of reveal of um, slowly and subtly revealing how powerful Relic is and how evolved he is. When the Guardians attack him and try and go into his mind, and that one Guardian's like, I can't hear your thoughts, can you? And the Relic's like, no, you can't hear them. You're alone. Um, where are the others? They are, they are here. I am speaking to them as I speak to you. The Guardian says, that is impossible. Relic says, clearly not. You think so slowly. In the space between your thoughts, there's ample time to speak to the others. The Guardians are supposed to be the most evolved creatures in the universe. They're supposed to be at our... Basically, when the universe was made, your Big Bang or whatever, the Guardians had achieved our level of intelligence that we currently have on Earth now before Earth itself was even formed or sprung life at whatsoever. So they're supposed to be the most evolved, advanced beings in the universe. They've got their telepathy. They can speak with each other. You know, they have so much power, blah, blah, blah. But Relic can even can forget being more powerful. He can think faster than they can. So it's just a subtle, like that one panel is just a subtle nod to just like, I'm even, I'm even, I'm better than these guys. I'm better than the best chance you've got here as far as evolutionary and physical uh, attributes or whatever you may think. Um it's it's kind of it's 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 just like a, a a subtle little nod. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, as far as as far as like a maybe like a, a catch twenty two to to that theory though, is these are the Templar guardians, right? Not the guardian, not the guardians guardians. They've kind of been locked into a box, and maybe they their experiences in that box. Maybe they, in other words, the the abilities that the guardians had evolved. Prior, not not the Templar Guardians, but the ones that we're more familiar with, had evolved prior to them dying. Maybe it's not all just conditional on the amount of time in which they existed, but maybe, you know, practicing and honing their abilities and that kind of a thing through actual interaction with the universe. Maybe being closed off from the rest of the universe and only interacting with one another in such a small space for such a long time didn't allow them to evolve their personal abilities as far as their brothers had. So maybe, maybe they're there. It's not only a reveal about how powerful relic is, but how unexperienced these guardians are too. Yes. It definitely, I think it's definitely a glimpse into their, not that necessarily their lack of power, but their lack of experience. It's the fact that they, you know, they've basically been locked locked in a cubicle for like for billions of years, essentially. So they really, so their their knowledge base, their and their power base probably suffers because of which. I mean, that's part of maybe, even though that's not the reason why it's you know they give to Kyle for why they want to explore the universe and learn more about it. That could be. That could be one of the subtle or behind-the-scenes reasons is that they know this. Is they know that they're – and let's be honest. It, it would make sense because when the, when we had the conflict uh, between the old Guardians and the Templar Guardians and, and when they were going after the First Lantern, I mean it became pretty clear which group was more powerful. Mm-hmm. That they were not – that the Templar Guardians were not going to be able to stop the, uh, the current Guardians of the universe. So even – so I think that I think that makes sense. I think they, they they and that probably does influence them too. If there's a hidden reason 
an undisclosed reason for why they want to learn more about the universe too. It's the fact that they probably feel that their their power that their knowledge and their power set is a lot more limited than it should be, and maybe that was a wake up call when they dealt with when they were when the first lantern was stolen from from their watch when that was not really supposed to be able to happen. Did you did you like the part with Carol with the pole passion thing with the? T- yeah, that was that was kind of cool. Uh, I did uh, whether or not it's you know a, a total and complete obvious nod is not a big deal. It's just the um, well, one of the things I, I flash back to was during Blackest Night when uh, when uh, they were talking about how if anyone loves this planet more than anyone, it's Wonder Woman. Right. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. That, that that I don't know why, but I flash, I flash back to that moment. You know, it's 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 not that it, it, it's you know whatever the explanation was at the time. If anyone loves this more than anything, it's it's Wonder Woman. And you're just like, what? <laughs> 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 you're like, okay, oh, whatever. <laughs> Story beat. Uh, we need to get where we're going, so I guess that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, that I mean that was cool. I mean. Um, using, uh, using, using, I never really understood using, of all, of all the powers in the spectrum, using love as an offensive. You know what I mean? Right, but we, uh, obviously we start seeing more of that even in, uh, we actually did see more of it in the Green Lantern issues we reviewed. That, that's, that's something, I guess, if you will, that's kind of like a, maybe the darker, the darker side of, of the set, of how you can be a sapphire, how you can use that is not just a positive as a, you know, a positive tether and use that to, Oh, you can go find the person you love or you can have an emotional connection with that. It's the fact that it can be used. It can be used against you. I am. Um, so it, I think it is a kind of a, it's another development in the, in the, the power set of the, or the limit, the limits or the base powers of a, of the of different lantern cores. But I did. I thought it was. I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good use of it because it it gave you. It would be easy to think the relic was. Not entirely. I mean, without emotion, but it's good to know that. But it was a good. You know, look into his inner being to see that in his mind's eye, he's doing this because he he has love. He's doing it because he. Loves the universe. He hate he hated, if you will, what happened to his universe. And he is determined because of his understanding and his knowledge that he's not going to let it happen again. So, I thought it, right. I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was a it was a pretty interesting reveal. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Just it was it was it was cool. Just kind of seemed. It, I I know why they did it. I understand it. It just sort of somehow to me felt a little out of place. I don't know. I could be crazy. No, it, it it could be. It just it just struck me. It didn't. It didn't. It just didn't strike me that way. But it doesn't mean that your you know you, your opinion isn't wrong. It just strikes struck you in a different way. You are different from Jim Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chad, you're wrong. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> Uh, it's, all a, it's right. an opinion. It was an opinion thing. You can't really be. You can't really be wrong. It's not like it's. It's, it's not like it's a fact. It's a factual. You know, that's the way. It's, it's like it's like the issues of Green Lanterns 
to me, the Green Lanterns 21 through 23 struck me a lot more as, you know, moving the plot along. You know, this is this is happening because you need, you know, A has to happen because we, we know you want B to happen. To me, there was a lot more of that in those three issues of Green Lantern, just kind of like being forced along the way, just especially Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern 21 and 22, I think, just to get us to where we need to be. It's like that seemed a little more heavy handed to me than the use of it in this issue. Right. I gotcha. All right, so that's the uh, first three issues of the new creative team on New Guardians. And um, I guess next uh, we'll be doing some listener feedback, and the next episode we'll be doing Green Lantern Corps. Um, so we're going to just do some listener feedback at the end of every episode. And uh, even though you guys at this moment, as we're recording this, haven't heard the uh, Green Lantern episode, we do have a little bit of interaction that we've been uh going back and forth with people on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so we just wanted to throw out some shout-outs. Just to let you guys know, uh, we're, we're listening and uh, we're going to stick to our guns. Um, so we, we had a bit of a discussion over on uh, the Facebook page about, um, about uh, the news that uh, Disney has now fully acquired all of the rights to the uh, Indiana Jones franchise whereas before Paramount had still some controlling stock in that uh, in that franchise, I guess. But now the deal has been cut where the, like, what is it, Mark? Paramount still gets a cut of all prior indie movies that sell? I think, because I actually read about this again more after after the initial post, just to make sure that my first my initial understanding was right. I think what it is is I think they get I think there's a small there's a small piece of the pie as in money or percentage wise that they can get from new movies too, but they don't own the re- distribution rights anymore, and Disney can do with what what they want. When it comes to the old movies, though, and technically speaking, I believe Paramount still could re-release if they for whatever reason wanted to re-release the old Indiana Jones movies, they would have the or if they were, if the movies were going to be re-released, Paramount would have the distribution rights to that. The main reason I believe this was done, or the other reason why people I think should care, is that anything to do with the Indiana Jones franchise going forward, Disney has total control over, and it includes distribution and and all of that. And the reason why that's probably relevant, or rumor is relevant, is that they they that many people are speculating that is an ace in the hole for Disney to get Harrison Ford to absolutely do episode seven, as opposed to kind of making it sound like he did. And I think lately he's kind of been making it sound like maybe he's not going to do it. He has already expressed interest in doing another Indiana Jones movie. So many people speculate this is an insurance policy Disney has now to say, well, you can make another Indiana Jones movie. We can make a couple of new Indiana Jones movies if you want. We just need you to do episode seven for us basically. And that's so many people think that's kind of, was part of the reason why. Clearly not the only reason, because there's a lot of money in Indiana Jones going forward, no matter what they did with it. So, but that's that's my under, I believe that's the way it went down. Um, I think that's the gist of it, anyway. As long as they leave Shia LaDouche out of there <laughs> and uh, and don't uh, screw it up like they did with uh, Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull, then uh, we'll, we'll be good. Uh, but shout outs to Jeff. Dwayne, Jim, and yourself, Mark, for uh, participating in that little conversation. I was expecting actually some little negative backlash from people like, this isn't about Green Lantern. But hey, everybody was like, hey, cool, indie, mo- indie news. Let's talk indie. So that was cool. Um, and then uh, just actually today, I posted uh, 
uh, a uh, a thing about uh, where we stand with the incontinuity explanations of where the various batteries and the rings came from, how the green, and I'll just read part of it, not the whole post itself. Um, but how the, uh, the green battery and ring were made by the guardians, blue battery and ring made by, uh, two guardians. The red was made by unknown slash made by blood magic. Maybe yellow battery made by the guardians, Violet, uh, Zamorons, which are a spinoff of the Owens, uh, Indigo, made by Nat Romo, possibly another spinoff of the Guardians, uh, Orange Battery, possibly, uh, uh, it's unknown, but probably made by Krona. So if, like, if people were cool with all of these batteries and all these various cores being linked to one origin and one race, one understanding, or would they prefer more mystery? Um, in everything. Um, Chris says, nah, uh, no mystery, thank you. Good sci-fi explains how things work to the gra- to ground it in reality, even if a little magic is involved. Um, I guess, I mean, I don't know. Uh, grounded in reality, like, in a comic book? About <laughs> pe- in people, people based, and I'm not making fun of what Chris says. It's I'm not making fun of you, Chris. It's just like, Sci-fi ground stuff in reality to an extent. Good sci-fi ground stuff in reality to an extent. Even, but sometimes that that extent is like bogus science. You know what I mean? They they give an explanation, even though that explanation, by our modern understanding of physics, makes no sense. You know, but there's still some sort of explanation. I don't know. I don't know. I I understand where you're where you're going with it though. Uh, Mark. Do you want to read what you said since <laughs> it's you? <laughs> sure. um, <laughs> I, I said, logically, it makes sense that the use of the light of the emotional spectrum would all involve variations of the basic Oan tech, uh, but it would make the cores more unique if that wasn't necessarily the case. I think the idea of being able to harness the light, that I think it does make sense. There's a some commonality to it that there's om- – that yes, it would be – you could it could be interesting if there was a completely different way to do it, but it, I think it does make sense that at least as far as the basic understanding is that there's one at least straightforward way to do it. So that's what the way every everybody else does it. They kind of it's like this is the way it was this is the way it was done or the way we understand it's done. So we can we can do it here. We could do it there. Make some slight tweaking because a red lantern power base, you know, their their powers are slightly different in the sense that it's not all based on I'm just gathering light. I, it's I. I would not have minded a little bit of mystery. I think it, and we've we've kind of gotten mystery, but it's only like delaying the inevitable. Like, look how long it took us to get you know the background of the Indigo tribe, mm-hmm. and then it turned and then it turned out you know it's still just a physical you know it's it's still like a physical battery and everything else. It was just you know with. It. I don't know. I I think there's a good you can make a case that a little bit of mystery would be. But they kind of, in a way, they kind of shot. That was kind of shot to hell once we got the little cop-out explanation during Blackest Night, how Ganthet was able to duplicate all the, make all the deputy rings because it's all based on Owen Tech. I think right. we've kind of always been locked into that now that there's going to be, even that there's, you can do some variations on the theme, but it, they, for for better or for worse, unless something com, some ma- major rev, revelation comes up to contradict that, that we kind of know that 
Owen, Owen Tech is involved with the basic concept. You know, Zamorans, it makes perfect sense. If Cronut was the one who created you know, the orange light and the orange lantern, the rings and everything, that would make sense too. Obviously, Owen Tech. Um, Sinestra, you know, the the Cordians in that would kind of make sense too, especially with working with Sinestro, some variation or perversion of the, of the, of Owen Tech. So, but yeah, it's kind of, it's a fine line. Yeah, uh, Andre says technically the Green Lantern battery is no longer made by the Guardians. I don't know if that's a reference to something. Yeah, it is. Future. Yeah, okay. it is. Well, moving on. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Jim said Yellow should definitely still have been made by the Guardians since the Weaponer has appeared post New Fifty Two and even made the new battery for Arkillo. And given all the time they spent with Krona, there's no reason to think he still didn't create the orange battery. The key to yellow is that the Guardians base their design off the green battery. The same can probably be assumed of Nat Romo, who worked with Avin Sur and saw how that battery worked. And since he wasn't a Guardian, but probably related somehow, he couldn't just create a regular battery, so he grew a staff that held the light from the same planet that produced the liquid that harnessed the light. Red is definitely a mystery, but the Inversions had regular visits from Avin Sur and Sinestro, so maybe they were able to gather some sort of magical echo and create their battery based on that. Maybe, but I remember distinctly in uh, issue zero that uh, our uh, Atrocitus was the one who uh, created the battery. So the battery was at least a battery, a Red Lantern battery, was in existence prior to the Green Lanterns even being created because this had all happened, uh, well, not prior to, because I guess the the sequence of events was Manhunters destroyed Riot, Trocitus by himself, uh, being one of the sole survivors, then became a member of the Inversions, and then killed the Inversions. So I guess the Green Lantern Corps was kind of in existence at the time. So I don't know, maybe. I just remember a, a few panels of, like, Atrocitus killing, like, Roxayum or whatever her name was, one of the Inversions, and then suddenly having a battery. So there's still a little bit of mystery there as to where that came from. So I don't know about, like, it being distinctly related to visits from Avin and Sinestro. Because that, at the very at the very least, the Inversions, what... What the hell am I trying to say? <laughs> because Sinestro and Abin Sur visiting the Inversions would mean the Inversions were, were alive. But Atrocitus killed the Inversions. So did they imprison the Inversions, then the Inversions got free, and then... A, so, so like, you know, Abin and Sinestro were visiting the Inversions, then the Inversions got free, Atrocitus killed the Inversions, and then they re-imprisoned Atrocitus. And then imprisoning Atrocitus, trying to take him back to Riot, he busts loose, crashes to Earth, kills Abin, Abin's ring se- seeks out how? Yeah, I, I think that, that was... Right, because in, in the... In the new, ver- the latest version of Hal's origin, that's what that's what Abinsur was doing. What he was right, he was he was with Atrocitus, and and when he he was transporting Atrocitus, correct? And then he when they crashed mm-hmm. when they crashed to Earth, right? So then he died, and then his ring fought sought Hal, found him as the next 
appropriate bearer, and then Sinestro came a calling to try to, yeah. But that's also where we meet Black Hand for the first time, even though he's not Black Hand at the time. Right. I'm just trying to remember. Sinestro wasn't with Abin, right? No, I think he he showed up after the fact, I believe. Okay. It's been a while since I read that storyline. Yeah, me too. Okay, and then uh, just uh, peeling the curtain back a little bit. As we record this, today is the birthday of James Doyle, our fantastic producer, who will probably, right about now, throw in a sound effect of uh, a chorus of applause. See, it's sound effects like that, guys. <laughs> that's, that's why you should be wishing a guy a happy birthday, because he does stuff like that for us. Um, so shout-outs to everybody. Craig, Andy, Andre, um, Mark yourself, John, and Dwayne for uh, wishing James a happy birthday. So, And happy birthday directly via audio from us, James. Yes, happy birthday, James. Hope, hope you had a good one, and hopefully we're not – we're not going to intrude on your birthday to make you do lantern stuff. We promise. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then over on Twitter, uh, someone named uh, with the handle King Spud said, give me your pitch. Uh, the, he was kind of like throwing out some ideas of what to draw up. Uh, gave a couple of concepts, one of which was Green Lantern Elseworlds. So I threw out the idea of Thor with a Green Lantern ring, and if, uh, the next day he came up with this awesome sketch. If you go to Twitter uh, and follow us on Twitter, you'll see I retweeted that image uh, from King Spud of uh, his uh, cool little sketch, quick sketch of uh, Thor wielding both Mjolnir and a ring. So that was pretty cool to, to see that the next day, just based on a tweet. Um, got a few retweets and new follows from people. Thanks uh uh, Span is always a, a big participant over on Twitter and really, you know, pimping us out and talking to people about us. There was actually a, uh, a conversation that Floto was having with someone on Twitter about, uh, about, uh, various, uh, things. And somehow they started talking about Mosaic and then Floto just chimed in and said, Hey, you need to seek out the Lanterncast episodes on GL Mosaic. They're excellent. So he just randomly in a conversation with somebody else on Twitter gave us a shout out. And this guy's now going to be listening to Dan's coverage of Mosaic. That's Very awesome. Nice. That's pretty cool. That's so cool. So, and Floto's always doing stuff like that. So thanks, man. That's really cool. Um, and then Corwin gave a, a, a tweet shout out to James for his birthday. Um, and uh, Ducktron, Duckathon, uh, you know, via some favorites and retweets and stuff uh, in his own way, uh, gave a shout out to James as well. And uh, Floto also stated, and I, I kind of skipped over this, uh, I guess he had just recently listened to the fifth anniversary and he said, just listen, congrats on the big anniversary and best of luck with the new lineup. So thanks, Floto. Really appreciate that. Very nice. So uh, that's all the feedback uh, for now. And, uh, you know, sorry if it's a little lackluster or that's something you don't want to hear. That's part of the reason we save it for the end. Uh, We know a lot lot of people, not everybody wants to hear that kind of stuff all the time. So we'll save it to the end. And uh, if you guys just don't want to listen to that going forward, then, uh, you know, you can just, uh, after we get through with the reviews, just move on and uh, 
wait for the next episode. Um, but we, we want to make sure we give shout outs to the people who listen. So, and I'm sure once the first few batches of episodes get out and you guys know that we're, uh, you know, reading your comments on the air, that there will be more specific talk, uh, you know, directed at, you know, and feedback from specific episodes rather than just random conversations on Twitter and Facebook. Um, as those types of things come in, we, we do, we have, have pulled successful uh, pieces and bits from other shows. Um, basically, listener feedback is going to kind of be uh, based a little bit on like the way Fire and Water does it. If anybody out there listens to Fire and Water, you know, once we start getting more specific emails and comments on the things we're discussing, we'll obviously delve more in depth of that and then just, you know, mention the people who we're talking to on Facebook and Twitter by name and say, hey, thanks. We realize you're out there. We won't read every little comment because obviously we'll have emails and voicemails to go through, uh, specifically pertaining to whatever topics we had discussed on the show. Uh, but for right now, we just we want to have listener feedback content. So. That's what we're doing. We're just pulling what we do have. <laughs> so uh, if you guys want to join in the conversation, uh, just shoot us an email, a voicemail, give us a shout-out somewhere. There's all kinds of ways to contact us. And how would they go about contacting us? <laughs> I keep forgetting. Smoke signals? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Pony Express? Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com. You can also email us individually if there's something in particular that you wanted to ask Chad or I or you just felt it was more appropriate to send a uh, specific email. That would be mark at lanterncast.com or chad at lanterncast.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. Then you can also have access through our website, through our forums, besides checking out galleries and other cool things we have there. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you like us on iTunes, please leave a positive review. It's always appreciated. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN and let us know what you think. And like Chad mentioned, we will be going through and playing and listening to those and discussing voicemails just like tweets and likes and Facebook comments and everything else. So comment away, people. That's right. And uh, one last thing to add in throw in the mix there. Um, if you're commenting and just dis- discussing stuff on the on Facebook and Twitter based on uh, you know topics from our show or stuff like that, make sure you use the hashtag GLcast. That's GL. That's hashtag. Uh, so pound GLcast, and that'll be a way for us to you know track those types of conversations. So uh, yeah, just uh, give us a shout out and uh, start sending us some mail so we can. Uh, just uh, address specific topics instead of hunting for Facebook feedback. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so next episode, guys, it'll be Green Lantern Core um, 21 through 23, and then Red Lantern Core or Red Lanterns, sorry, uh, 21 through 23, and then we'll be going into the Villains Month stuff and uh, go from there. We're really pumping these out. I know you guys have missed the um, the new issue reviews and staying on Green Lantern topics. So we're doing that for you. We're getting there. Just uh, let us know if you're liking what you're hearing, guys. It's not just um, us taking over the show and uh, doing what we're doing. Let us know what you're liking about the show and uh, and uh, also what you're thinking about these issues themselves since you finally now have a chance to discuss it with us. So hopefully we'll get caught up to you guys quick and uh, we'll get back in the swing of things. 
we definitely plan on pumping these episodes out pretty quickly at this point. Um, by the time this one, who know, at this point, by the time this one airs, I'm sure we'll actually at the current rate we might already be through lights out. <laughs> we don't know, but but uh, since actually tec- technically episode 170 hasn't even been released yet. So there's a chance that we could be all the way through lights out before this issue, this episode, excuse me, comes out. But if not, we're it's not going to take us too much longer to get through it. So before you know it, we'll be up to current continuity, and then then we're definitely open for more for more topics. Well, it's, it will definitely be easier to fit in if there's a topic in particular that you guys want. Just let us know. We'll definitely we'll discuss it. And we'll definitely make room for it. Absolutely, and you know maybe if you guys are kind of uh taken aback by the breakneck pace that which we're going at this because we really we really are um the just peeling back the fourth wall a little bit the episode for the green lantern issues we only recorded a couple of days ago (laughs) and the green lantern core uh episode we're going to record as we record this is a couple of days from now uh so we're not like waiting a week in between we're waiting just a couple of days which is Poor Mark and poor Mark's wife, um, <laughs> but but you know, hey, <laughs> we're getting caught up. So maybe if you know these things, uh, these episodes hit you rapid fire, and we're by, before you know it, we're already done with lights out. What we can do is, if you guys have lots of comments to be making, maybe we might just have like a quick uh, listener feedback episode where that's all it is, uh, and we can you know get all that out, and then before we move on to the the format that we used to review books and all all the the numbered issues together and everything and maybe we can space it out with some uh, other topics rather than re- the the new issue reviews to give you guys time to catch up <laughs> and catch your breath <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, thanks for listening and good night y'all good night everybody we'll talk to you soon real soon. <laughs> <laughs>